Hey, and welcome to Tomorrow. I'm your host, Joshua Topolsky. Today on the podcast, we discuss getting into heaven, choosing losers, and deciding whether or not to jump off a cliff. But first, here's a word from our sponsor. Listen, I know you're wearing things under your clothes right now, but wouldn't you prefer that those things were better than what you've currently got on? That's where Mack Weldon comes in. It's better than whatever you're wearing. They believe in smart design, premium fabrics, and simple shopping. I mean, it's incredibly easy to just go on the website. You pick your items. You purchase them. The next thing you know, you're comfortable. You're clean. You're being taken care of in all of the important ways. All of their products are naturally antimicrobial, which means they don't have any odors. They actually kill odors. That's how, that's how much they hate microbes. And uh, look, Mack Weldon wants you to be comfortable. And if you don't like your first pair, you can keep them and they'll still refund you the money. No questions asked. They won't ask you about what you did in them and why you did it. So look, not only do they have comfortable underwear and socks and shirts, uh, and not only do they look good, but they perform well. You can work out in them. You can go out. You can go on a date uh, where at the end of the date, hopefully you'll remove them, uh, you know, or just like be yourself in everyday life. So go right now to MacWeldon.com and get 20% off using the promo code tomorrow. Don't be a fool. Mac Weldon wants to get on your body. Let it happen. My guest today is uh, a great friend, an old friend, uh, a smart dude, good looking, um, great sense of style, mm. very tall, Yes, uh, has a, a wonderful uh, predilection for trucks like uh, pickups. He, and his pickups. And he's the editor in chief, founding editor and editor in chief of Polygon.com. My guest today is Chris Grant, Christopher Grant. Yeah. Well, Which do you prefer? Do you have a preference? You know, I I do Christopher because it makes me sound smarter. Christopher but Grant. I just go by Chris. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Chris Grant is a real American, all American name. Mm-hmm. That's like a guy from the nineteen nineteen forty eight who would uh, who would uh, punch you in the face if you said something negative about America. Do you want to hear a true story? I belong to a Facebook group that's called I think it's called My Name's Chris Grant and yours isn't. I think you and might have like, I think you might have told me this last time you were. Yeah, there's, oh, it's the best because it's the most. It's all name it's, on earth. it's all Chris Grants. Yeah, it's all Chris Grants. You can't get is there, is there is there a John Smith group as well? Do you think? I'm sure there is. I I think it's it would be a lot more interesting if there was like a Josh Topolsky group because there like, is there is no. I can tell you this now. So I get alerts on Topolsky, of course, because I want to know. There's not that many Topolskys in the world. There's a handful. Most of them I'm related to. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's more than you would think, actually. Uh, Laura's Laura's um, maiden name, which is a really horrible term now that I said it out loud. <laughs> her maiden name before she, when she was a maiden before i defiled her uh is dzubin d-z-i-u-b-a-n okay. and this is laura june of course the famed uh, critic art critic um and uh she my also my wife she made me realize how much more common topolsky was because her name is extremely rare huh so I was like, oh, she, I'm like, there's barely any. There's none, no Topolskis. And she's like, actually, she's also really into like ancestry and stuff. So she mm-hmm. knows all of the details of this. 
So, so you're there going like, actually, there's no, and she's like, well, I'm like, actually. we're very rare. We're rare in a rarefied space, the Topolskis. And she's like, actually, you're not really. And then it's like, she proceeds to show me like all these people in Eastern Europe that have the name and like in Milwaukee. But, but most of them, most of them, there aren't that many and, and I'm related to most of them. But why did, was I talking about this? Oh, there are, I get a Google alerts and you, I do, I know who all the Topolskis are who are active. <laughs> Anyone who's crushing it. There's, um, there was a, there was a guy named Chris Grant, um, basketball coach yeah somebody's basketball fans i know who i'm talking about yeah i guess he did a we, bad we job a lot of, we have a lot of basketball fans listening in too. yeah probably lots of basketball fans big, what's big, up basketball big, b-ball, big b-ball fans uh, uh, for tomorrow every time that chris grant made a bad decision in basketball like uh when he told his guys not to dunk and they should have dunked or something yeah and um <laughs> whenever that happened i would immediately get a bunch of tweets like late at night whenever the, the game's on i'd like open up twitter and just like ah crap i gotta turn what, it off. what is your uh, twitter handle it's just at Chris Grant. Right. So like whenever a Chris Grant, right. people think people think Twitter is like... How do you think Will Smith feels? I know. I, know, like <laughs> I, I want to just go look at his ads one day and look how fun they are. But people think Twitter is like if you pick up the phone like and you have to call, um, I don't know, Macy's. It's like 1-800-Macy's. Like everyone just has their name. And if you just type it into Twitter, it will automatically connect with the right person. Right. It's like, it's like customer service for that person. Right. There was, um, there was a, a guy who kicked a dog in Brooklyn in oh, an elevator no. and oh, there was video of it and yeah. it was all over the news. His, and his name, name was Chris Grant. Chris Grant. And oh. so I immediately started getting all these tweets about how I'm a horrible person and kill yourself and everything. It's like, guys, and, like you didn't even bother to check the profile. And, and, uh, of all people, you are now a great dog lover. Love doggies. You've Big had. Dog. Can we talk about? You've had a personal, something personal happen related yeah, my, to dogs. My doggy died. I didn't. I did not know about this until you. I think you posted about it on Facebook. Mm-hmm. We'll get very somber on the tomorrow podcast just now. Uh, your beautiful dog. Yep, my beautiful us, dog. Her name was Yuki. Tell us about Yuki. Yuki now actually was a model dog. She was like you would she not posed believe it. for um, for a calendar. Yeah, she she actually wasn't a cute overload calendar. That's true. Yeah. Uh, she, she was beautiful. She, we got her from a pound from a shelter. She was a part Pyrenees part. We ended up getting a DNA test cause we got the question so much. We were like, all right, let's just answer it. Uh, she was part Pyrenees part Husky. Wow. Um, she was just an amazing dog. She was like the smartest dog ever. Super sweet. She was bad for about a week when we first got her. She like ate a TiVo remote and some headphones yeah. and a stair I think that tread. was more of a statement though than Yeah. I think she was out. like, look, long term, like, I'm doing the right thing for not, you. This is not a thing that's going to be around for a while. Um, so, uh, but then ever like literally for a week bad and then she never did another bad thing in her life. Like, I have the opposite animal. I have an opposite dog. Penny. Oh, you have Penny was good for the first week. and has never <laughs> been good ever since. She psyched you out. She's like, I'm great. She, no, no. I mean, she really did. Honestly, by the way, uh, condolences and I'm sorry that, um, that she died because that's very sad. I know you, you loved her very much. You would talk about her constantly. Mm-hmm. I would say. Too much, but uh, you know now's not the time to give it. you shit for talking about your dog. If anyone uh, wants to see a picture of Yuki, just uh, just tweet me at Chris Grant. You know, maybe we'll who, put one. Maybe we'll put one in the um, when I put this up on oh, Facebook. That's a good idea. Yeah, we'll do a photo gallery. Yeah. But uh, but no, Penny's the opposite. She is uh, she's still alive. First off, so also opposite in that in that regard. <laughs> but <laughs> sorry, <laughs> she's like no. She was like really chill when we first got her. Like when we went to buy her. She was like sleepy and she, she was like, you know, we had another dog named Sal. I've told this story before, I'm sure. Another dog named Sal who was very the most chill dog in the world. He would like, if you were like, if he was laying at the foot of the bed and you needed to move, you could like literally just like slide him over with your feet and he wouldn't care, you yeah. know, like just totally chill. And, we're, and she seemed really chill and we're like, oh, great, we're getting these two chill dogs. We'll just hang out together. They'll be so good for each other. And then like a week 
first, like she got, you know, to our house, she was obviously very timid and whatever. And then like within a week was completely like the alpha in the house. I think to everybody, except for Laura, but to everybody else, me and Sal were completely subjugated by her. Like she would, Sal would go to eat his food and she would rush over towards him and like stand in between the food and growl at him. It was, it was insane. And she's been doing that ever since. She still does it, basically. Sal's dead. She killed Sal, basically, as far as I'm concerned. (laughs) No, I think she, like, ran him into the ground. I think that's what happened. Sal gave up. Yeah, I kind of feel like, I don't know. I mean, he had a heart thing, but, like, I feel like she exacerbated it somehow. Anyhow, let's move on to happier topics. Um, So, look, so you run Polygon, obviously. Your your main focus. Now, you're not your only focus, but your main focus. In fact, I'm going to pull up Polygon while we're talking. I haven't looked at it today. Let me see what's happening on the front page. I remember, uh, I remember back in the old days when we were when I was at Vox, we launched Polygon. It was an exciting time. I actually talk about it all the time to people because I thought it was a really that we did some really smart things. Uh, and to this day, I love I love Polygon. I think it's the best video game website on the internet. Uh, oh man, look at this! HTC Vive pre-orders are officially open. Oh uh, god, I got to get one. It's so good. Just, have, you, have you used it? Yeah. Let me just go ahead and pause the podcast right now. Are you are you uh, oh, pre-ordering? I got a pre-order. Shit, I should pre-order too. Okay, this can we both can we both just ago. ask HCC to send us a demo just to <laughs> check it out? I mean, I they they sent it for the Tonight Show, but I don't know if they'll send me one. You know, tell them back on the internet in full force. I don't know if they're gonna. I don't know either. I mean, we're gonna get one from you. I'm gonna, review, order, one. I'm gonna I think, order one, but like, I Let's gotta do it. You get one do it right now. I'm gonna. I'm doing You're it right now. I'm opening the page. I'm not gonna do it. I'm just gonna remind myself. Anyhow, the HTC Vive that's on the front page of Polygon right now. Uh, but so anyhow, so you're so you're the editor in chief of this wonderful, beautiful, lovely video game uh, destination. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like games, we talk about we've talked about games many times. Obviously, love them. I've been talking a lot about games uh, because I've had a lot of free time. <laughs> I've had a little downtime uh, as I've been working on some stuff, and uh, and so I've been playing more, not as much as I'd like to, but playing more. So I just finished Firewatch. Ooh, I have not finished Firewatch. Have yet, you, even though it's like four hours. Have you played it? Finished it? Yes. I'm so like you're, you're familiar in. with it. Yep. What are your thoughts? I'm curious because this is like a very, by the way, like I was, the person who told me about it was John Gruber. He actually told me about it when we were doing our last podcast together. And, uh, and I had never heard of it. Like, and really? maybe I wasn't really paying attention. Got to read Polygon more. Uh, yeah. I know I do. I do. Believe me, I do have to read it more. But uh, give me your thoughts because I have a lot of thoughts on it. And I won't spoil anything for you. So uh, the pejorative term would be walking simulator um, and, and games like Firewatch, like games like Gone Home are really interested in environmental storytelling, putting you in these kind of unique places where you, the player, um, are actually experiencing something for the first time, often alongside the character. Um, that's not necessarily a truism, but certainly with Firewatch and Gone Home, there's this analogy and the games are really focused not on technology, not on action, um, not necessarily even on um, mechanics, uh, but but more on narrative, more right. on storytelling. They're right. really focused on like delivering something that you participate in. Um, and so, for a lot of people, that that does that fails to meet some some criteria for a game, right? Um, well, well, I mean, there it is. It is. I mean, it's interesting that the point about mechanics because fire in Firewatch, I do mechanics are actually one of my my gripes. It's like, I feel like the game... Now, look, if you haven't played Firewatch, I highly recommend going to get it. How much is it? 20 bucks? 
I think it's twenty bucks. You know? Twenty bucks or something. I think you can get like a discount. There's some places that have discounted it, but it's available on Steam. You can get it on the PS4. I think it's on the Mac App Store, uh, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong. At any rate, uh, it's a really good, enjoyable, fascinating game. It's not as good as Gone Home, and I will say that like the similarities of you're walking through a story are extremely. Uh, they're extreme. They 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 do echo each other in many ways, but it's a completely different environment, completely different feel. But the mechanics of of Firewatch are kind of like what, not just the mechanics, but the the whole world of of what you can and can't do, where you can and can't go. Like you're in an environment where you're on there's cliffs, you can't walk off a cliff. You can't even walk. You're in the woods. You can't walk into the woods. It's like very. You're very much like it, it's not on rails, but it's certainly there's no fail state. You can't right. like like I can't be. It won't even. You won't even. Like, it won't even let you get close to a cliff and say, "What are you doing?" You know, yeah. like let I mean, me do it three times and then let me throw myself off and the game is over. Basically, you know, if that's what I feel like, it's like it wants it wants you to f- have a sense of agency right. in the character, but then it doesn't actually. You don't I, have all the things in the environment that give you a sense of agency. I think it very much is okay removing agency though, right? Like it's very much okay if they wanted you to have more agency, they would have made you know uh, like many other games that are blowing up the Steam sales charts. They would have made this huge Wyoming forest that you're in. They would have made it an open world and they would have made it a survival game and they would have taken out all the narrative and just let you run around. There's a happy medium. Like I think if you look at the Far Cry games, at least the three and four. Yeah, but, the, but the Far Cry games are really focused on mechanics, not narrative. I agree, but there's no reason why you couldn't do what Firewatch does in narrative. I actually think Far Cry 3 does some really great narrative stuff as far as action movies go. Yeah, I you know, If you think of it as an right. action movie. But I think like that's what Firewatch isn't. Firewatch no, but I know like that, a, but I'm saying, but what, what frustrates me is that it could be both things. It could make you, it could give you the, I'm not saying it needs to be fully open world, but it's like, it just feels so scripted yeah. that it never feels like you actually have an opportunity to, it, you never feel like you have a choice and that, I think, that you can change the story or that like, not that you have to completely alter it, but you know, there are, it doesn't feel like there are tributaries off of the river. Yeah, I think I think that's true. At least, you know, like I said, I haven't finished yet. I'm only maybe halfway through. Right. Um, but I think I think that is true. I mean, it certainly is true for Gone Home, right? There's no right. fail state. Right. You don't. But Gone not, Home is much. Is, Gone Home feels much smaller. And maybe this does like in retrospect, because like think, you said, it's only a four-hour game or something. I think lengthwise they're about the same. I think what Firewatch has done, which maybe has confused people, is that it does feel like an open world. It feels like with a it feels like the technology they created and the world they created with a different design, this would be an open world survival game, right? Like, well, I mean, why is it, why is it black or white though to open world survival game and to like walking I'm just, simulator? I'm just being like hyperbolic to, to, to define that line. You know, but I'm, point, and, but I, and my argument there is, I think my argument is like, I think where games with the real power of this medium can happen is in that, that middle ground where it's like you have agency and you feel like your choices matter, but you have a great narrative that is like that it forces you to, you know, track along a great narrative. And I, I mean, there aren't very, very few games that do that well. Almost. I, mean, I think here's what I'll make the analogy. And I think what they're trying to do in Firewatch, the analogy in Gone Home where you have no real agency over what happens short of how you address it or how you, um, when and where you encounter it. What they do in Gone Home that I think works so well is that they that there's this there's this parallel between Cat Briar is exploring the house for the first time. Her family moved into it, 
Um, she's coming home from overseas. So like Kat, you're in the house at the same time she's in the house. Um, she doesn't know what's going on. You don't know what's going on. So like both character and player are sharing some of this experience at the same time. So right. it feels like you're not only playing this part, but you're also um, sort of watching the character. Well, you have a you have sort of an um, not an unreliable narrator, but it's but like there you, some, you both don't know things. Yep, and but you like, find them out together. You're making certain assumptions based on tropes, based on you know, your experience playing games that aren't the same assumptions that she would make right. or is making at the time. And right. so, like you know, there's the 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 way I put it in my um, I think my game of the year right up for Polygon that actually won our, our game of the year that year. Um, I said that there's skeletons in the closet and like, I think for the player, you might be expecting real skeletons to come jumping out of a closet, Yeah, but you know, it's actually the, well, it, the, it, the it, metaphorical it, skeletons it, in the closet that, that cat's experiencing. It does fuck with the, it does fuck with the expected in gaming Yep. because like you go down to the basement and you're like, Oh shit, the scary basement. Like there's going to be a monster or a and ghost is, or something. There, but there is a monster and it is scary for other reasons. But like, you know. Right. But it's not the, yeah. it's not the predictable. Yep. You know, it's like in Firewatch, if a, if like a rebel from Far Cry jumps out at you, <laughs> you know, like that would be expected in a way. What if you were walking through Firewatch and there was just a section with like a, um, you know, one of the bases in Far Cry, you, you have, have to, to capture you deliberate it. You have to deliberate it. <laughs> yeah. You just like that would blow be great. up the My gas favorite tank thing, in the I, I just say, my favorite thing, all I really want to do in Far Cry is go around and find interesting ways to liberate base camps. Yes. Like that to me is, is weirdly, I don't know why it's enjoyable, but I um, love, I love like get nestling in a hill somewhere over the, over the camp and thinking like, okay, how am I going to do this? I think it's one of the most brilliant, by the way, I've never, I never played far, any Far Cry games before the third one. And even then it was a little bit of a gamble. I'm like, I don't really like first person shooters. Like that's not really my thing. Oh, it's so much fun. Uh, but those games are rich as fuck. I mean, they are really, yeah. Far Cry three. I played, I don't think I, uh, did I finish it? I don't know if I even finished it. Cause I got in between, I was playing on the 360 and I got the one, it's kind of annoying actually. And like, I'm not going to have them both hooked up because I only have so much space in my house. I don't but, think you have to finish a Far Cry game. No, you don't. Be, but it was like, like it was actually like uh, the liberating the, these like camps is is it's a weird joy that I don't feel in many games. It, you know why? It's like you just it's like a real you really get to do it your way. You really get to figure something out strategically. It's not like no one's pushing you into a decision. Have you uh, have you read a bunch about Far Cry Primal? No, I saw I saw it on. Uh, I was browsing in the uh, PlayStation Store, and I saw what is that? So it's a it's the new Far Cry game. It's a, it's maybe a little more focused. Can I, can I than Google this. Just googling this right now. Um, but there's no. It takes place in like Stone Age. There's no. There's no real dialogue. The story is like very threadbare. Is maybe not the right word, but it's very like like honed down. So it's not this action movie with these big characters. It's like this very kind of like purified Far Cry experience where the weapons are much more simplified. Um, and our review of it basically said like they're, you know, it's really audacious what they're trying to do. It doesn't necessarily succeed on every point, but it is very successful in a way that you might not expect. Okay, I'm looking at your review right um, now. Justin did it. Yep. He also did a, a video wow. review where he oh pets God. all of the animals and gives them a score. So if you want to uh, see some Wow, these graphics are impressive. Yeah, it's a, it's a good looking game. This is their own engine, right? 
Yeah, it's called the du- the Dunia engine. I think that's what it's called. They made it with um, Far Cry Two uh, and Far Cry Two, which when you know sort of you know this gameplay model that you're talking about, that was very much like defined by Far Cry Two. Um, Far Cry Two, Clint Hawking designed um, had had this this sort of like this idea of like repercussions. It took place in Africa. If you you know threw a fire or like I don't know, shot up rocket launcher um if the grass was dry it's going to catch on fire and it's going to maybe like light you on fire right there was this idea that like everything sort of impacted everything else um butterfly effect yep and uh in, in the in the engine like that has you know to your point going to liberate a base feels so exciting because it's so emergent things just kind of happen so there's no guns in this game no <laughs> that's cool yeah. I mean, that's the, this is to me. And so this is where, this is why Firewatch is so important. And I think games like it, this is getting back to the conversation we were having. And I, I will check this out. I mean, I really shouldn't buy any more games. I've bought so many games that I've not like even played a quarter of the way through. I mean, the amount of money I've spent on, on games <laughs> that I have not really played very much is criminal. That's uh that's, that's, that's like every steam owner that's how they get you in the world yeah Yeah. this is how the industry functions is people like me who are like yeah i'll spend 60 dollars on this game and never play it uh you know like fallout 4 which i like uh i love fallout and i'm pretty into the new game and so i'm not like obsessed with it but i've played like what maybe 10 percent of it maybe Oh, well, that's, that's that a different. You, I know it's a different. That means you play a lot. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, okay, then not that, like 2% of it. But I'm not even like narratively speaking, I'm not even like any. I haven't dented it. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's how I play every Bethesda game. But this is, this, oh, is yeah. what, this is what Firewatch this is why Firewatch and Gone Home and uh, what is it? Everyone's gone to the Rapture. Everybody's gone to the Rapture, which I think yep. was less successful in many ways. I didn't finish that. That's how unsuccessful it was. Yeah, I would agree. Um, but games like that are really promising because they present a different way. First off, they have finite storytelling capabilities, which is great because you do want like increasingly I want games to feel more like an episode of a show or like a really good movie versus like a, my life, you know? And I do think like there is the hardcore gamer instinct is to like uh, create game experiences that just go on and on and on and you get super immersed in them. And at some point you're kind of like, Tell me a great story and do it in a new way, and then let me get on with my life. I think this is increasingly true that there are different audiences for games. Yeah. There's no monolithic gamer, and this sort of gets into a lot of the politics of, of that term Actually, gamer. Chris. Yeah. Sorry. Well, sorry. Um, <laughs> but there's no monolithic gamer anymore, and so there are gamers, right. gamers, who really like Candy Crush, and there are gamers who really just like to play old Nintendo games on that old NES that they still have hooked up, and there are gamers that love just one game they like league of legends and that's it they play lots of league of legends and nothing else those are still gamers there's also gamers like myself or like you i'm still you know i'm plowing through rise of the tomb raider and getting all the achievements and doing all the tombs and it's a lot of fun and i'm also playing firewatch and i'm also playing the new walking dead game uh michonne and you know i like games that are is that, self-contained is that good? narrative um so far yeah and it's uh it's getting good write-ups um we does haven't it, run a review yet. Does it track with... Sorry, I'm just clicking around on the site because I've missed a lot of these reviews. Does it track with the show? I don't think so. I'm not caught up on the show. I'm like, okay. Yeah, neither am I. High. So that's why I'm asking because I don't want to... My guess is no, that what they've mostly been doing, Telltale, is like these things that are sort of parallel to. Mm-hmm. You know, like in between this season and this season, like what did Michonne do? Like they might do something there, but um, I'm not sure where it fits into the show. Oh my God. What is this, what is this Vive game that you've got on here? A oh, Brookhaven experiment? Uh, oh yeah, Brookhaven experiment. Yeah, you'll crack oh, the pants. Oh God, look at this. Yeah, this is what I want. 
this ben, is what uh, I need in my ben, life. Ben Kutcher did a write up on that game and like how he won't let his kids play it. And it's not that it's that violent. It's not. This is, it looks terrifying. But it's terrifying in a way that games on a flat screen aren't. So, so this gets into, so one of the things I want to talk about with VR and walking simulators is that, I don't know, I, I think of it as like a desensitization. Is that, did I say that right? Um, Maybe. And uh, when you, when you play games like Far Cry, the amount of things that you do in a 30 second window, you fly down on a hang glider, you jump off, you know, you land on uh, next to a Jeep, you jump in it, you drive to the base, you get in the back, you shoot a, a gas canister with the top mounted machine gun. It blows everything up. You jump out and then you get a rocket launcher and kill Wait, a bunch what of other is guys. This? I'm saying that's like a 30 second increment <laughs> of Far Cry. Yeah. Right. Like, I was like all I that can happen. I was like, it sounds like Far Cry. Um, if you were to do that in real life, you'd be sick to your stomach in about one second. Like just the, 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 the scene change, the shift. Right. So for VR, you know, things in like, you know, your walk speed in games is like 30 miles an hour in VR. It's, it's the same walk speed that you have in real life. Right. Cause it would be sick. not totally nauseating. Um, so everything is like for VR, everything is slowed down. You know, every, like that experience right. of being in a place is right. so, um, realistic. It's, you know, to, to use the kind of cheesy marketing term for VR, it's, there's this idea of presence that you're in the thing, mm-hmm. and so when you, you have a game like um, Firewatch, maybe I can I can imagine for some gamers that are used to that 30 second cycle of Far Cry, I can imagine going to a Firewatch and just being bored. Right. But I also right. imagine putting Firewatch on in VR, and, and I have no idea if they're making a VR version of it. But they should. But they should. I thought but, about it a lot when I was playing it. Actually, right? Uh, yeah, I think about a lot of those games. And I think about like in VR. If I was even sliding down one of those ropes, what that would feel like. Yeah. Like that would feel like, oh, scary. Yeah. Um, I, I, it, it definitely, it's definitely, a, you have, I, I, it's, I think it, let me, let me start that sentence over again. It's definitely something to consider that the, the way we've played games historically has been like, inc- we've been essentially on like a turbo. Yep. Right, everything's been getting faster and more chaotic and more um, intense. That's what I meant by but, the desensitization. Like, yeah, because we're because we're because we are. So look, we have technically more to that we can do than ever, and you know, our I think generally like are the everything is like this now, right? It's like kind of more overwhelming, more dominating, more yep. severe. Um, but VR changes it because you're in, you're in it. Yeah. It's like your entire, you know, it's a 360 experience. You're it physically you, in it. It brings you back down to the, the rules of of real life. Right. Like right. you're not going to be able to move in a VR game the way you would be able to move in Far Cry. Like some of the things you can do in a Far Cry experience where you're like jumping down off of something and flipping around and like pulling out a knife. It's like you're not going to be able to do that in VR. Like you just, you don't, you won't have like the cap- the physical capability of doing it. So I think what's exciting to me about about VR and, and with games like that is it's going to create again new experiences. It makes things that we, you know, all the rules are thrown out, and, and we don't actually have new rules yet. One of the things I'm so excited about with this first wave of VR with Rift and with Vive in the next month to two months. So I, I did. I have my official confirmation. Oh, you got, uh, for you my got Vive. your Vive? In. Yeah. Great. I didn't Great. get it yet. But, uh, thank you for your Vive order. We'll start shipping April 2016. Very what? excited. I'm glad I could be part of this. I'm glad that everybody who's listening could be oh, part yeah. of this. I'm excited. So I'm um, just thrilling. So uh, Vive, uh, the, the thing about those that, that's exciting is that all these developers are having to like learn entirely new vernacular, entirely new language on how 
players interact yeah how do menus work how do you pause a game how do you move do you use a controller do you use your legs right do you the, the movement the movement is the thing that's to me is like the biggest roadblock right now it's like this is why the vibe is interesting it only gives you you're still like relatively limited in terms of range of movement but yep. and you've got to be kind of like look you have to be kind of a nerd to do, I mean, no one, no normal person is going to set this up in their living room. Like, if they're a regular person with a regular life, <laughs> they're not going to have this like in their living room, just ready at, at you know the drop of a hat to like m- get into no. their immersive VR world. Like, no. I think, I think well, you think people will. I mean, I'm going to. Well, okay, yeah, I don't think you're a normal. <laughs> I don't think you can classify in any way as like a normal. Uh, consumer for this product, but like, so I think the initial wave is going to be people who are kind of hardcore. But but it's like even though you can move like a lot, you still can't like you can't traverse like a mile. Yeah. Like there's, there's no way a, you can't walk through walls. You know what I mean? One of the things that some of the games are doing is using this idea of like either you have a vehicle. So there's one for vibe called like hover, hover, hover craft something. I forget. It's sort of like this player versus player. A multiplayer game where you are going around like scrapping on this like little hover uh like plank i don't mm-hmm. know what it is um it's like a little ship but it's about the size of your space which is like i don't know eight by eight feet or ten by ten feet or something so it's like this small little ship that you stand on you've got some like controls on it so you can actually walk around your space and you're sort of walking around your ship but then the ship moves so that's a way of like you have your smaller space to move in but the ship moves in a larger space right there's another game pretty unnatural though yeah, well, I don't know. Like it, it, it exists and makes sense inside the fiction of the world that you're right. I oh, know, sure. I but um, I want I want the experience where it's like I am my I'm a body in a space so and I the, can move around. So the catch on that, it, it, there's these things like there's that treadmill that you can use to walk around, right. which is kind of duplicating um, controller inputs. The problem with making a game that does that, where maybe I don't know, maybe you go to a place that you can rent time at and you run around a room. The problem with that is one cables these things are all corded right so you can only go so far right. at least they are for now number two the games are still expensive to make and so you still need an audience that's large enough that are going to buy games that they can play and nobody nobody has a spare empty garage to make their own holodeck <laughs> right. in like <laughs> but i think that i do think that like some controller movement is still going to be acceptable yes yeah and i i think what's going to become weird is like how that exists in the fiction you know i think so so this gets onto the big difference between rift and vive so if anyone listening doesn't know what the difference is mm-hmm. um we're segueing, are we segueing into our vr our, our battle I, I thought that was a pretty smooth segue it was very good I, was like, was, I always have to call out a segue thus making it way less smooth <laughs> so rift, sort of my thing rift is 200 dollars less it comes with an xbox one controller uh, it doesn't come with motion controllers. Yeah, um, I think, which they, I think is a huge problem. Personally, yeah, they have them. They're making them. Oculus Touch. They won't be out until quote later this year. Yeah, um, it comes with one camera thing called a lighthouse. I think they call it. Um, yeah. So, so that's enough to kind of map the the um, headset, but not necessarily map the room. Vive uh, comes with two that go in the corners. No, Vive calls them lighthouses. Vive has two that go in the corners of your room. They map like the whole room and they map your space in it positionally. And uh, it comes with two motion controllers. And then the Vive headset, one of the coolest things it does, which they just showed off at CES this year, has a front-facing camera. And so there's this thing called the chaperone where if you get too close to a wall or if somebody approaches you, it sort of like 
superimposes this blue ethereal yeah. view right. of the real world onto your virtual world. When so I took it on the on the Tonight Show um, in January, this was something that was insane that I that I was like did not expect, did not know they were doing. So they had it up on a platform, and one you could see people would kind of materialize like a shape of a person like a 3D shape or whatever would materialize in your world to show you where they were when they got close enough. But also if you look down, you could see the edge of the platform was this like green line that was like, you would know not to step off of it, Yep, which is pretty crazy. It's, it's really smart. And I think Vive, one of their challenges was that they want you to play it in physical 3D space. But in order to do that, you need to feel comfortable that you understand where you are. Right. And so that this was like I think a, a really smart, very sophisticated way of doing that. Um, and everyone that uses it says it's really cool. I have not used that feature yet. Um, yeah, it's awesome. I mean, it, it's it also definitely three like D. It so definitely like, gives you like safety that you don't have in these other. I mean, if you put like if you put like a Gear VR on right now, which is a good experience, but you definitely are like you, anything could happen. You don't know. <laughs> You're like not in the room. You're just not there. So Rift, Rift is, Rift's focus is very much on, um, and I don't know, it'll, it remains to be seen what piece of hardware is better. You know, um, Oculus has talked a lot about the quality of the screens and their partnership with Samsung and the weight of the headset. They've gotten weighed down and, you know, everything else. I think some of the people working on Rift, John Carmack and Michael Abrash, who used to work at Valve, there's like a lot of big brains working on Rift and, and obviously... Oculus sort of kickstarted all this interest in VR, but their focus is on, I don't know whether I call them traditional games, but their focus is on like, you're going to play a game with a game pad. And the difference is that you have, you know, sort of freedom of movement of your, of your head and you sort of have this 3d presence in the space, but it's not the same as what they're doing with Vive, right. where you're using your hands to manipulate space. When you watch some of the demos, there's a demo called um, budget cuts. Have you seen the demo for budget cuts? No. I almost feel like like if you were to watch this right now, like your your reaction to it would be good podcast radio. Right, this where is a where game, can I see this? Um, just do a budget, do a Google search or YouTube search for budget cuts Vive. You'll find it. Um, I read a headline once that said like Valve not getting any work done because of budget cuts, and I was like, wow. Uh, what all right, what's about? the best? What's the best the link to look at? There's a. Um, there's a demo, maybe, or a trailer. Uh, there's a tra- something on YouTube, a very early look at budget cuts. Vision Summit 2016 Awards. Pre-alpha uh, trailer. Alpha trailer, yeah. Okay, let me one. take a look at this. Okay, I'm watching it right now. Hold on, let me turn this down a little bit. Yeah. Uh, okay. This is like Portal. It's Portal E. You're fighting robots because uh, it's. We talked to the developers. It's weird to kill real people in VR. Right. Um, oh, it depends on who you are. Not for me. True. So in a lot of games, like you have no problem killing a person, but in this game, like you throw a knife or shoot somebody right in the head with a with a gun that you're holding. It feels like a gun. Like <laughs> that feels. That's like really upsetting. What is what is? People. Okay, I'm confused. What is this thing that's happening where there's like a a blue like burst and the scene changes? So. Be, because you don't have normal locomotion, you can't walk around large spaces, you're actually teleporting portal style. Oh. And so you are shooting yourself in and out of rooms 
killing the guards or, or incapacitating the guards and you're trying to steal something. So you're trying to, you're breaking into an office and you're trying to steal something out of a safe. So you point your essentially point where you want to like transport to. Yep. And it beams you over there. Yep. And if you uh, see yeah. people playing it, you see them like, you know, in these spaces you're in, you're in like a small room and you need to like reach your hand out around right. the thing to shoot your portal over there. Right. And so you see people playing it and they're like contorting themselves. They're, they're, you see him peeking through a vent in the floor. Yeah, so you yeah see this, looks, this, looks, this looks like an insane amount of fun. Yeah, and but like they're doing it all in this small space, in this like eight by eight space. But inside the game, you feel like you're like, okay, now I'm looking up in the bookshelf. I'm putting my thing over here. I'm on my hands and knees to look through a vent in the floor so I can see right, what's in right. the next room. And it's like this really active game, and it's very fast. And the um, and the and the um. You know, what's interesting is the rooms in the game are all very tight. They're like regular rooms in the sense that they're small. They're like, you know, eight by 10 yeah. or whatever. They're just a normal room. It isn't, it is true that like, I mean, one of the, looking at this makes me think, uh, God, every game that most games we play are like in these large spaces mm-hmm. where you have like infinite amount of, you know, Far Cry is a great example, but there are plenty of examples of games where you're just like uh, in a city. And the city's huge and you can just go wherever, but you can never go into the buildings. Like you can't go into the buildings and can't go into the rooms in the buildings. So it's interesting how it's like bringing it down back down to like human size. Yep. I also think of like how weird it is when you look at a game and they're like, oh, it has this huge open world. And you're like, oh, wow, it is huge. It takes you 10 minutes to go across the whole thing. Can you believe it? Yeah. It's huge. It's like this fallout. Well, and I live in Philadelphia. It's a pretty small, at least let's say downtown. It's a small city. It's a colonial city. It'll still take you half an hour to walk across it. Like, right. The idea that 10 minutes is a big city is not, it does not map to life. Right. And so, this idea that like VR slows everything down, your walk speed, the size of things is more natural. Right. You don't have like these huge amphitheaters, or if you do, they should feel appropriately epic. Um, but I think it, it makes these experiences that feel so intimate, feel so personal. One of the examples I use that um, the first time I ever tried VR, one of the things I realized that that kind of blew me away, um, when you walk in and out of a room uh, through a doorway, that's an experience we all do every day. We don't think about it very much. But when you do, you can, like halfway through, you can stop. You can stop in between the two rooms. If it's outside and inside, you can see outside. You can see inside. But there's a door jam that's above your head. Mm-hmm. And like you're acutely aware of it. If you were eight feet tall, you'd hit your head on it, right? right like right. That, that makes sense to everybody. Have you ever once thought about walking in and out of doors in a in a third person game? Maybe like, you know, uh, a first person game or third person or, or third person. Like, uh, I mean, I will say I've started playing this game Layers of Fear, and you have to open doors. Okay, yeah, where it's cool. like kind of annoying, actually. But like, I think for <laughs> most games, you're not thinking about that. You, right. you sort of just like go through these spaces. There, it's like a it's something that you never even consider. And in VR. I was playing this demo and I, it was like a village and you walk into a building and I got worried. I got nervous that my head wasn't going to clear the door jam. Right. I, I, I was worried about it. I walked up to it. I opened the door. I got closer and it was clear that like I had enough room, but like I had to think about it. I had to right. like consider whether or not I was going to hit my head on it. And, um, no, I mean the, then, fi- the physicality that it creates, this is the thing that's so, I mean, there, I mean, there's so much potential and it will change how we think of games so much. I see you have an article. Uh, I was just, just browsing randomly uh, about, you know, letting kids play yeah. VR games that are really scary. And I was just thinking, you know, this is 
Oh, this is not like playing a video game. I mean, I just I think that people who haven't used VR yet and haven't had any of these experiences probably don't understand this. But once you're inside of it, you're not like it's not like uh, your brain does does something for you. Does some like it does some uh, smoothing. Yeah, that that is really powerful. Where it's like you accept very quickly. And I think humans, this is like one of our great, you know, features of humanity is we're highly adaptable and you accept very quickly that you're like, okay, I'm now in this space and I have to navigate it. And you're physically there. You don't feel that you, this is why it's like so mesmerizing. I mean, if, even if you put like a gear on people and let them, I did this, you know, I think we talked about it last time I did this over Thanksgiving. I had all my family try it on. And it's like, people are not ready for what happens when they're in there. And the experience is, even marginally good because it, yep. it you feel that you are now like standing physically somewhere else and it's very disorienting and it changes like your emotional um, involvement with that space. And it's part of where I think like input mechanics are going to become really important because VR can be so transportive and so immersive. But if you put an Xbox one controller in somebody's hands and you ask them to navigate, you know, using analog thumbsticks, that's still a very foreign concept for a lot of people. Right. It's like, like, who's that? Who's that audience? Like, right. What do they want to do? I mean, it's it is it is tough. I mean, I will say, uh, it's like I want. I think the you want the experience of being able to move through an environment. It's a pretty open environment. I mean, I think one of the most amazing things about VR is that it provides these, it provides these spaces where it seems like there's so much. It's so much more real, and you can do so much more within them. And so, so you want it to feel like you can move around them as as naturally as you do in a normal space. But how do you? I mean, there, it's like there is no easy solution to that problem. And I don't know. I do think the Vive has a has a. So let's actually let's, let's let me ask you this: between the Vive and the Oculus, like which one to you seems? I mean, you are the expert. I uh, I am which one very seems, surprised at how quickly my my not just my interest. I think I'm really interested in both, but my. Um, I don't know. Like enthusiasm is a different word. Uh, for Vive picked up. Yeah, six months ago, Vive for, for me seemed like you know Valve is a company that is like so amazing in so many ways, but they're also so um, I don't know, aloof. They have kind of a vaporware quality to them. Yeah, but they're also you feel just like very it's aloof. like they it's don't... like Half Life Three. It's like you feel like everything's a little bit like Half Life Three. I think that's true, right? Where they're always going to do it. But I think it's also like they could start something, but they could also just stop it. They right, don't necessarily right. feel like they have to tell people what they're doing and they, they don't always have to execute perfectly well. I mean, Steam Machines was this big announcement that sort of fizzled out and they finally came out with them this year and like they're, or last year. Right. And they're, they're fine. They're whatever. They're the Steam controller is neat, but it like, it's fine. Yeah. Um, the Steam Link is really cool when it works right. And so Valve kind of has like this. I don't know, uh, you know, this laissez-faire attitude about everything. And I think part of it is a, is a function of how small the company is. It's like 300 people. Right. So for all the stuff that Valve does, like it's impossible that it's that few people. But, um, you know, so for the hardware, like I just, I don't know, I always was thinking like how on earth are they going to launch this? How on earth are they going to make this a competent product? And then there's HTC and like HTC, oh, that was the company that used to make those nice Android phones. Right. Okay. No, I mean, HTC, like, I think the thing for me about... I mean, I agree with everything you're saying um, about Valve, but I think the thing for me about the Vive not that long ago was like, <laughs> HTC's kind of like blown it on the 
in this in the phone market. I mean, they're yep. not really relevant. Probably not going to be around that much longer in the phone market. I feel. Uh, and I'm like, okay, so they're making VR now. Like that's a weird pivot. And probably if it follows what they've been doing in phones, probably not the best sign for this product. Yeah. And I, I think I kind of thought the same thing. And also like this was before we knew the price of Rift, but they had telegraphed a very early that Vive was going to be very expensive, right. that, that you needed all this room in your house. And it wasn't clear back then how much, how much are we talking about? Like 20 feet? Do we need an empty garage, an empty room? And as we've gotten closer to launch, I think some of that was a function of like de- designers and developers building games that needed less space so that they weren't sure maybe earlier on and they became more sure that you don't need 20 feet. Right. Um, but some of it was that. Some of it was not knowing what Rift was going to do fully. Then they made their announcement last last um, last year around E3 about the Xbox One controller. You know, And they announced the touch controllers, but they wouldn't be out at launch. And, and, and that was, I don't know, it wasn't disappointing, but... It did fill in blanks. And as we get closer to Vive, you know, I think um, Oculus sort of announced everything. They put their pre-orders up. They sold out very quickly. They sold out through July. The site barely worked. I mean, you guys just saw me order a Vive on my first shot. Um, Rift had trouble. I don't know (laughs) if that's because of volume. They sold so many or because the site wasn't ready or whatever. When is the the Vive uh, available? April. April. Oh, it's soon. Yeah, I know. Damn it. I should finish this order. Um, so <laughs> I should do it. So with, uh, with Rift, um, I was really excited about it before. And I think like, you know, from, from a, from a industrial design standpoint, I think the Rift is a much better product. I think their branding is beautiful. And like, I think they've like nailed a lot of the, I think the technology, the actual hardware in the headset might right. be better. It seems like is it, is. is it though? I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I having recently used the Vive and I haven't used the most recent version of the Rift. I will say that, but I was really impressed by the yeah. vibe and the and the and the um the hand control whatever they're calling the motion controllers. Yeah, I don't know what they're called. The wands. The I wands. Guess. Sure, why not? I mean, I thought they were they were pretty effective. I, I mean, listen, a hand I think is ultimately a lot of people better, were but, surprised at when the pre was at CES, the Vive pre, yeah, which was sort of like the the second version of their dev kit and very close to the retail. Um, you know, Oculus had had all these early steps. There was the original Kickstarter unit. There was the DK2 that had a lot of improvements. Um, then there was uh, Crystal Cove, I think, which was another one that never actually got released. Yeah, I think we saw Crystal um, Cove at one of the, the CESs. Yeah, so like, yeah. there's been multiple Oculuses that we've seen and the retail versions, like even beyond that. And they've been talking the whole time about how they've refined, how they smoothed out edges, how they've improved the quality of the screens, how they you know put the head tracking in, all this stuff. Right. Um, Vive started with the original Vive uh, dev kit, which was very rough. The screen quality wasn't very good. It was huge. It had this really ugly design that looked like a spider on the front. Um, right. And then nothing. There was no iteration. It was just that for a long time. And then the pre got announced at CES. And it was a huge step beyond where they were. Yeah. So I think a lot of people were surprised, including, I'm assuming, people on Oculus, how far HTC had gotten sort of working alone um, by themselves. Um, the Vive now, um, and presumably the retail Vive, is much closer to parity with Oculus, which right. we've been spending the last year, 18 months, talking about all the different re- refinements to the technology that they've, that they've negotiated. Right. Um, and so... I think we are closer to parity there. I think if you look at 
what a Rift would cost with two motion controllers and two of those cameras built in instead of just one camera and, and yeah, an Xbox yeah. One controller. I think maybe it would be $800. Well, and I, I think, think the that's, price and I think, point isn't that different. And I think that's where that's where HTC's uh, hardware chops come, come in. I mean, I yep. do think, look, they actually make, they've made really nice hardware. I mean, in terms of like the phones and other gear they've made, they're actually quite good at making the devices. Um, so it's not surprising to me. To me, this is like makes a lot of sense. I mean, whereas Oculus, like, I mean, the gear is really cool, but that's a separate thing altogether. But the actual yeah. Oculus, this is like kind of, they're on their own, right? Yeah. I mean, have, Samsung is helping them with the screens, but. Yeah. I think that, uh, so I think that's really, that's really, a, a, I mean, I think that's a huge leg up for HTC. I think the reality though is like, at some point there has to be some, these things have to be compatible, right? I think at some we point. Can't, we're not going to just have like this Oculus versus HTC versus Vive like battle, are we? Because that would be very be, bad for the industry, I think. I think there's going to be different storefronts. I think Oculus very much wants to have its own storefront, which is fine as long as games can exist across But I'm saying if you build something, if you build an experience for Oculus and you've, then you've got to go and rebuild the thing <laughs> yeah. for the Vive, that's going to be re, that's going to really bifurcate developers and it's going to make. I, I, I don't think, think it's no going to. I think there's no reason that. A Rift game that uses a controller wouldn't work on the Vive. I don't know about the other way around. Right, of course. Um, because until those controllers come out for Rift, yeah. there is something that so this is, is like this is going to be a um, this is going to be like a PC Mac Genesis um, Super Nintendo situation. I think I think it's going to get a little, I think it's going to get a little closer. I think um, I imagine the Vive and the Rift in short order by the end of the year maybe when when rift has the motion controllers out that there will be a lot more compatibility across them now we're going to get into whether or not there is platform negotiations right so there's a game called adrift coming out um which was by a guy named uh adam orth so do you remember the adam orth thing he was Mm. the xbox developer who wrote hey your games have xbox is going to be online like deal with it Mm, yeah vaguely i this vaguely like recall that right before the xbox one was was released and um he got terrorized i mean i remember waking up in the morning and seeing like that twitter had basically like blown up to try and uh, destroy this dude and he yeah. quit his job at microsoft and so it disappeared for a while yeah yeah um so uh and he went and made this 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 company i think they're called three zero two or something um and then Adrift is their first game. It's it's kind of like gravity. Oh, this is the this is the yes, uh, yeah. this is the game where you're like floating in space. Floating in space, yeah. yeah. You got you get untethered from a thing, and you're right. Whatever. It's gravity. So, it's gravity. <laughs> it's gravity. The game, yeah. Um, Which is by the way, be, fine, good idea for a game. I'm into it. Uh, that's that's a Rift game, and you can get it on. So you can also play it 2D. It'll be on Xbox One and PS4, but you can also play it in VR. But on VR, it's a Rift game, and on Steam, it's a 2D game. It's not mm. on Steam VR. Mm. And like, why? Uh, like, right. it's not clear. Right. Um, you know, because it's, it's a controller and a headset, right? Yeah. They basically said like, they said I, I can look up the email. They sent an email around it this morning trying to clarify some stuff. And the email was like, you know, this is up to the hardware companies. This isn't a software decision. We're just a developer. And like, you know, somebody else is making the decisions. We actually don't even have a seat at the table. So, so, so you're saying that that. Um, Valve and HCC could decide to make a version. I mean, how would that work? That doesn't even make any sense. I don't know what it means. Yeah, I'm gonna. That try doesn't make any. That doesn't make any sense. Like, can they send those guys? It means. I'm sure they would send them a Vive. Here's what I think it means. I think it means um, that. I think it means that the uh, that Oculus is paying for the game, or is or has paid for some part of the game. Right. Um, 
and like I don't know how much they paid for it. I don't know what the I don't know what the um the optics look like on that, but it seems like there's some exclusivity. In this QA, I'm gonna see if I can't find it. Uh, in this QA, one of the questions was they sort of posted like a fact or something. In the QA, uh it said, so it's a it's a rift exclusive then? And it's like, no, it's not a rift exclusive. And it's like, but then why isn't it? coming out i don't i mean i I just don't understand like some of it's very confusing no no that sounds and it sounds ultimately bad for any of the early adopters who are going to buy one of these things you're gonna have to make one of these you know it's gonna be one of these things where it's like okay do i want i mean this is what every this is what the video game industry has done since the dawn of time though right i mean nintendo this was like it's entire part of its entire you know um power was that it was like it had these games and these characters and like they weren't you weren't going to see them anywhere else and to this day that is the case and that still happens with like triple a games and i mean well, and so some you see some exclusivity like you know, one of the things that we're seeing this generation is we're seeing console exclusivity which carves out pc right so they'll be like oh it's a console exclusive but guess what i play mostly on steam yeah. so i get all these console exclusives um i'm playing rise of the tomb raider it came out a couple months later but i'm playing it on steam right now right that was an xbox one exclusive it won't be out for ps4 until later this year so right um you know, and Microsoft now is is releasing like all of its new games, mostly, um, it seems, at least they're trying to, on right. Windows and Xbox One. So Quantum Break, which comes out in April, is also coming out to Windows. Here's their answer on why doesn't Adrift support Steam VR. Adrift doesn't currently support Steam VR because we are working with and supporting Oculus and their entry into the marketplace. Mm-hmm. We've been working closely with Oculus for most of the development of Adrift, and we want to support them as partners because so it's, we it's love them. So it's exclusivity. Yeah, so it says all this stuff. Um, these are decisions for the platform owners to make. We have no say in that whatsoever, not even invited to the table read. That doesn't, make any, question, that doesn't really make any sense. So next question, is a Drift VR Oculus Rift exclusive? No, we are working on bringing a Drift to other VR platforms. We just aren't ready to make it. It's like, what okay, are you so talking like about? Okay, so it's like this. So it's a windowed, essentially, right? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, that's what's it's gonna kind happen, of exclusivity, it? or it's PC exclusive to Rift, and then it's going to be on PlayStation VR. Right, like there's some right. kind well, of. Well, that's that's a whole other. Yep. I mean, we didn't even talked about. We haven't. I mean, at this point, what is Sony doing with their VR? It's uh, we think this year. So, I mean, I obviously there's a version that has been floating around for a while. Mm-hmm. It was very Morpheus. good. Yeah, it's good. When I played it, which was like a year ago, it was very good. I don't know if there's an updated version. I have to assume that there is. It was easily better than the Oculus a year ago. So Sony, obviously, you know, to your HTC point, Sony has some hardware chops. Uh, <laughs> they made a couple of pieces of hardware. They've made some hardware in the past. Yeah. So like, hey, you want to talk about good screens? Like Sony can make you some good screens. You, they already have um, the move motion controls, which they're using for VR. Yeah. The move motion controls are, are still excellent. They're brilliant. Actually, that was um, the thing that when we were using the, yep. the Sony VR stuff, it was like, oh, yeah, the hands change the whole thing and you know you can do this thing i mean i remember in the demos like they were like okay now squeeze they have a trigger on the wands you yep. know and it's like squeeze the trigger slowly and you had a hand in the game and when you squeeze the trigger slowly it would slowly make a fist and it was like then you could release it and obviously it was you know depending on your speed that was a crazy so you could imagine oh i can pick things up now and like so the, when you can pick things up that's a whole different situation so the big question i have on playstation vr is going to be um so it has this thing called the booster box do you know do you know about that Mm-mm. so the playstation vr headset hooks up to the booster box which hooks up to your ps4 mm-hmm. the booster box is, is as far as i can tell essentially a second gpu uh-huh. would be my guess uh-huh. so vr needs a lot of horsepower right because it's like doubling run. everything you need to double it but you also need to run 
So gear runs at 60 frames a second, and some people get sick on gear. For Rift, and presumably for Vive, there's a minimum 90 frames a second that they want per eye. Right. Um, that's a lot. I don't <laughs> so know if you that's insane. have no, that's like insane. a, that's a insane. gaming PC. Like running something at 90 frames a second isn't easy, and doing it across two screens basically is, is really hard. But the so, resolution's way lower, right? Not really. No? It's not. Oh. No, you're kind of talking okay. about, it's not quite double 1080p, but you're talking about two high-resolution screens. That right. you're powering at 90 frames a second. Right. Um, so, you know, for, for VR, for Vive and Rift, you basically need like a 900 series NVIDIA card. That's a brand new GPU. That's a $600 on the 90 Ti. That's a $600 GPU. I've got a three-year-old card, two and a half years old, 770. It runs everything great um, on my TV at 1080p, but it is not powerful enough to run VR. Right. So I need to get a new GPU. Um so for PlayStation, PlayStation 4 isn't as strong as my 770. Like, how is it going to run PlayStation VR? So the way that their their solution is this booster box, um, which they're hooking up to the PlayStation. And, you know, at, at least from what I've been told, I'm not a hardware expert, that SLI, where you run two GPUs, usually only has so much efficiency. Mm-hmm. It's not that efficient. It doesn't mm-hmm. double your performance. It gives you like a 20% boost or whatever. Right. Um, but for VR, because you're actually duplicating an image basically um, for two different screens, that you actually can uh, get much closer to like double efficiency with with a second GPU. Right. Um, so they have this booster box that hooks up, but that basically means that they're selling you not only the headset, but the GPU. Right. And so for Rift, it's $600 with no GPU. For Vive, it's $800 with no GPU. I mean, yeah, ultimately, like all of this is you've got to plug it into something. Yeah. That's the thing. Yeah. And most people don't really have something. I mean, a lot of people don't have the thing they need to plug it into. I would say most people, the vast majority of even PC gamers, do not have a video card that can run these. These right, devices. like I built, like I built a gaming PC like two years ago. This is not going to be sick rig. It's not that sick. It's not going to do what I needed to do. It was essentially like a better than Xbox One spec. Yep. You know, yep. it was like the I spent six hundred, seven hundred dollars and built like a better than Xbox One experience. Do you remember what what video card you put in there? Um. Uh, let's do. Let's have a little fun. Let me go back through my email and see uh, if I can find uh, so um, what card well, I bought. Uh, let's see. What would be? How would I refer to it? Was it a GeForce? GeForce, I think. Let's see what's in my email. So um, the thing about about that that PlayStation VR, okay. Sony. First of, I bought it in 2013, so it's really old. Okay, so it's probably a 700 series. I'm going to tell you what it is right now. It's a um, GTX 760. Oof. Yep. Not going to do it. Two gig. Mm-mm. That's it. No, sir. I have a 770, and it's not going to do it. Well, I bought um, a. I built a very small. It's like a small card too. So you can probably get um, a 970, which is the lowest entry point for VR ready cards mm-hmm. uh, from Nvidia. Well, keep in mind this is two years old, so I could pop this guy out and put something new in. Yep. So yeah, you could put a three hundred dollar 970 in, and that would do it for you. Yeah, there you go. Um, it's not bad. Let me it's check that out right now. Let me hit it depends new on like, Well, the thing, it depends on like... This is fun. This is fun. I know. It depends on what your definition of not bad is, though. Like for me... No, I need it to be killer. What's the best? I need to get the best. 980 Ti. Would, that would be the one that... That's 600 bucks. That's right. 600 bucks. I don't care. Money's nothing to me. Money is just flowing like uh, Josh, water out of the tap. And, um, go ahead and add two to the cart on this order. I'm looking for... Hold uh, on. But this won't even fit. This won't even fit in my... Uh, it might. You got to check where your case is and check the card. The video cards. And, Here we go. Video cards. This is insane. Here we go. Virtual reality ready enthusiast video cards. That's what I'm looking for right now. God, this, this is like 
That's exciting. Just give me sort by price. I want the highest, (laughs) highest price. Wow. Here it is. Uh, Boom. $12.99. Asus GeForce GeForce GTX 980 Ti Matrix GTX. uh, I don't even know what that does. Six gig. I don't know why it's HDCP ready video card. Is it two of them? Is this a is this a it's two one? Pack? It's one card. VR ready. Here's one yeah, for a thousand bucks. Same model, same exact thing. This is some kind of weird scam. You can get a you can get a 680 Ti for well. So they they do have these VR ready ones. We got now, a 680 which, Ti or a 980. Sorry, 980. Right. I don't see any this 980s here for. Uh, what did you say? 600. Oh, here's one. It should be 600. Yeah. I don't think this will fit in my my case. Eh, maybe it will. This is, looks 689. Nine eighty, nine eighty. But that's going to give you six sixty nine after twenty dollars discount. This is a great. This is gripping sick, podcast stuff, by the way. I sick think frame rate. The listener really is enjoying this. I don't think this will fit in my case. I'll be right now. All the listeners it. are doing is thinking about the sick frame rates you're going to get. My frame rates are going to be so off the, so off the hook. Okay, so hold on. Let's. I want to. We, we got to wrap up soon, but I want to move to the final topic, which is Kanye West. Okay. Now I know you're not. Well, this makes a lot of sense. Jumping from I know you're not a Kanye West fan, Kanye West. but no, there was some very significant, important stuff that happened with Kanye recently, and I want to talk to you about it. He's making a video game. Did you know that? He said, "Is he really?" That's what he says. <laughs> was it on the Donda chart? He was, yeah, yep. And he released a um, he released a video of it, and it's just the weirdest thing. <laughs> really? Hold it's on. about his it's about oh. his mom going to heaven. Hold on, Kanye West, Kanye West video game. Let me just punch this up on the on There's the a console here. Um. Okay, there's a Polygon post on it from February 22nd. I assume yep. there's a video in here. There's a video in there. Let me check it out right now. No, this is an interview with him. What? We didn't do an interview with Kanye West. No, it's like from a radio station. He says, no footage here. No footage here. Kanye West video game. It's Kanye West, on, Kanye Quest through 3030? No. I wish it. that was it. <laughs> it's called like one. Uh, Kanye's making a video game about his mom's journey. To something. Yeah, that's what I'm looking at. But there's no video of there's an interview in here. He released it uh, at his fashion event. Fine. I'll find it later. It's fine. Anyhow. Okay. Well, he, look, he's very look. Well, let me read you some of his tweets from the other night. Let me just punch up his um, his Twitter handle here. First off, he went on a long tirade about t- how great Zoolander 2 is. So that immediately you have a little bit of a, you know, get a little worried. Yeah. Uh, okay. Where is... Where is Kanye here? I have to open him in an actual Twitter, <laughs> an actual Twitter window. So look, Kanye said his next record is going to be called Turbo Graphics 16. Okay, that's, um, that's for real. Like he he said he said um, he's on the Super Nerd Vibes, one of my favorite gaming systems when I was a kid. Blazing Lasers was probably my favorite game on that console. My boy Molly that I spoke about on the song Drive Slow actually had a Neo Geo in real life, bro. We actually played Spy Hunter at my mom's house, and he went back later and corrected this and said, um, hold on a second, where is it? Did he delete this tweet? Controversy. This is controversial. Hold on, where is it? Because I definitely favorited this. It's like correction. Oh, correction. Here it is. Correction. The name of the Neo Geo game I was referring to was The Super Spy, which I've played. Great game. Uh, I have a Neo Geo. It's actually sitting in a box about like 10 feet from me right now. Chris, are you there? Yeah. Okay. Um, I, I just found sound. the only one. Did you Pegasus. just drop? Did you just drop something in here <laughs> to the, the chat? Is that what that sound was? Yeah, that's the uh, that's the that's the video game. Okay. Here is. Um, so, uh, anyhow, I, so look, he was really into the Turbo Graphics. Now, I, I think you and I probably have talked about this. 
I'm, so this I game know. looks amazing. I just want to say this game looks amazing already. Um, I know your uh, I know your passion for Turbo Graphics. I love the Turbo Graphics sixteen. Um, I I have been actually one of the reasons I had a, a I had like a Palm uh, like six fifty Trio six fifty. One of my like greatest joys of having that was like there was an uh, an early like a TG sixteen emulator for it, yeah. and I used to I was like psyched about this idea that I could play Turbo Graphics sixteen games on on my phone. How and, much Turbo Graphics sixteen did you play on your Palm? Uh, not that much, to be honest with you. I mean, uh, once in a while I played something. The controls weren't that great. I played, I played a lot of Ninja Spirit, I remember, um, which is a great kind of side-scroller. But, uh, but my favorite game is actually a Turbo Duo. It was, was not actually for the Turbo Duo. It's a PC Engine game that was like a super CD game called Dracula X. Yeah. Otherwise known as Castlevania. Is it? It's not. What is it called? Rondo of Blood? Rondo of Blood. Yep. So it was re-released for the, for the uh, Super Nintendo and a bunch of other consoles. But <clears throat> excuse me, the best version in my opinion and the only version that anybody should play is a, is the Japanese version that was made the original version that was made for the PC Engine, which has one of the most incredible soundtracks. And it's like I've played that game so much like religiously. And I don't even really like side scrollers. So this was um you know I think a lot of players who 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 are or a lot of people listening to this who probably did not ever play this um, will recognize it or will remember it because this was the direct uh, or the sequel to this game was arguably the most famous Castlevania game of all time, Symphony of the Night. Yeah. Um, didn't, so, didn't really play that. Yeah, that's like, Symphony of the Night's probably the, you know, I would say it, it's like the, the most important Castlevania game ever made and the one that sort of, you know, the sort of Vania style gameplay of uh, the, the gear gating and the, the huge kind of open world levels, like that's all symphony of the night and, right um, right and so uh i think a lot of people might be familiar with it but that's sort of like polish and animation and music uh, was rondo and uh, the uh, predecessor to it was rondo of blood um you can get uh, rondo of blood doesn't make any sense right rondo is not a thing it's i don't know what a rondo is, <laughs> what is it? let's look up the definition of rondo real quick uh they did make a 2.5 d remake or PSP called Dracula X Chronicles. Um, so you can also get that if you have a PSP. Yeah, but it's remade. The graphics look I know, different. The graphics it's are not different, the yeah. same. They, they they did this thing where they everything they made that was a PC Engine game, like Snatcher is a really good example. If you see like the Snatcher version, of course, that was not originally a PC Engine game, but the PC Engine version, they have these like really, they look like, they look retro in the way that like the original, they're not, the, they're not retro. They're the original version of it. But you know how all games that look retro now look they're not quite eight. They're not eight bit style. They're something else, but they're trying to emulate yeah. this look and feel. The There's original very few games that 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 limit themselves to the actual limitations of eight bit hardware, right? But the actual PC Engine games look like the way all like retro games look, and they they're di- like Sega Genesis and Sega Genesis Genesis and Super Nintendo, and then like whatever all the handhelds that came after that stuff they have a different they have the 16-bit feel which is like a really distinct smooth it kind of ugly like it's sort of like airbrushed is the best way i can say it it feels it all that shit feels airbrushed to me yeah yeah and it's, i hate the style res and it's like yeah they have softened. more right there's yeah. it's higher res there's a more a larger color palette because the pc engine had some weird limitation on on because it was actually an 8-bit system yeah. With like a 16-bit GPU. It was like two 8-bits, something like something, that. Yeah. Something weird like that. Anyhow, the point is that Kanye West and I have something in common, deeply in common. Yeah. Which is that our favorite game console from 1989 was the Turbo Graphics. 
you know, and, and you were a DJ. Like, I think there's something here. I feel like, like Kanye the, and I could be the relationship between music and uh, and and TurboGrafx 16. Yes, I think is like there's something there. There's something there. Like maybe Kanye and I should be working together in some way. Well, I, here's what I'm saying. I, if he's looking for like a producer for for a track on his new album, or for somebody to play video games with, or or just for somebody that <laughs> if he's just crush. looking for a guy who maybe he wants to maybe he wants to play a Neo Geo. Here's the thing. I fucking have a Neo Geo in real life. Okay, so everyone else who's not Kanye West, hit pause. Or no, um, jump forward 30 seconds. You can't listen to this. Yeah. Uh, Josh, let, let Kanye know what train to get on out <laughs> of Grand Central and what's Yeah, stop. yeah, you just pop on a train. Is he in New York right now? I should go find him. Uh, Kanye, when you're in New York. I should get my Neo Geo and walk the streets looking for Kanye. How about this? Yeah, so, Josh, you'll go to him. So Kanye, I can go to LA. I, lo- I love LA. I love the weather there. It's nice. Um, Anyhow, what do you? What is this? What is there any? Can you draw? Did you guys cover this at Polygon? What the game? Yeah, no. Did you cover Kanye? This is a huge the moment. The Graphic Sixteen thing. I don't think yeah. so. Although we really? have enough That's Kanye crazy. fans. I'm surprised that the I'm fader literally did an article say Kanye announces his new album title, TurboGrafx Sixteen. Maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe people are just skeptical because he changed his. Oh, I think it's. Title, I right? think he's just not being even remotely in the world of reality. I don't think that that's what his next record is going to be called because it makes no sense. But who knows? Maybe it will be called that. How do you think NEC feels right now? Is NEC still in business? I don't know. I think they are. Hold on, let me look this up. Don't, but don't like, I tell just, you about my um about my my retro. I think I think we talked about this in the last episode. My my retro gaming strategy that that I've been doing. Uh, no. Oh yeah, you told me you have this thing, this crazy my my Framemeister XRGB Mini. So they make displays, I guess. NEC. Yeah, I guess. I guess they're still doing that. Yeah, NEC is um, still in business. Let me tell you when they were founded. Oh, good. July seventeenth, eighteen ninety nine. One hundred and sixteen years ago. <laughs> NEC has been around for one hundred and sixteen years. That seems uh, weird. It's fucking insane, is what it seems. Orchestrating a brighter world. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Here's the old NEC logo from 63 to 92, which is like exactly the one that was on the Turbo Graphics and the yeah, Turbo look Duo. That's a building. They got a nice building. So I need to go buy. I actually have a Turbo Express sitting in a drawer next to me. Send which it is, to me. Which is the handheld Turbo Graphics. No, I always wanted one. Uh, they're, the screen is so small. It's like a 1.8 inch screen. It's like so tiny, you can't even imagine how tiny it is. And it uses like eight batteries, right? It's like <laughs> yeah, it's like some crazy. It's like six AA batteries or something. Uh, and it's, re- I mean, it's like not comfortable to hold or play. And this, it only you only play it for like two hours. But Josh, I feel like this is the best um, analog or uh, explanation for the difference between Josh and, and Chris is that you've got a Turbo Duo uh, or Turbo Express in the drawer next to you, and I've got a broken Game Gear. <laughs> well, it's the right Game Gear, the Game it. Gear was the more popular system. Yeah, but I'm not saying you're more popular, but I'm saying that <laughs> <laughs> or that you're into popular things. Or I don't mean that as a knock in any way. <laughs> I just mean um, I just mean I think I've always you know, here's the thing. Like I read this at uh, the Verge had a uh, Tom Warren or somebody wrote a thing. It was like rip Windows phone or Windows phone is over. And I immediately was like, maybe I should get a Windows phone. Like I immediately felt like I it was like maybe there's something cool about Windows Phone that I finally I've been it's time missing out on all this <laughs> time. No, it is. I do have I do love things that are like doomed. That's I think that's my thing. Is like I think the difference is that I have some kind of weird optimism where the doomed thing is somehow going to succeed. Like the Palm, like Palm, the whole Palm Web OS thing and the so pre just and as all a that. Test of this uh, of this theory. Yeah, yeah. What console are you playing your video games on now? 
What's your main console? Well, I the Xbox One was my main console. Oh, there you go. <laughs> so I think you're right. The I Xbox One was it. my main console until they made the disgusting changes to its um to its uh, menu to its UI. interface. And I basically like it's so horrible and ugly and disgusting that I don't even want to use it. I don't think it's any worse than it was before. No, it's, it's way it's, worse. It's way worse. I just it's it's visually way worse. I don't know, like functionally. If I feel functionally, it's like okay, it's so much worse. I, I, I feel that. like functionally, it's it's so much worse that I can't figure out how to do certain things. But visually, it's just gross. Uh, I, I think that's the the visual quality is subjective. <laughs> yeah. But I think I, I could say that I think it is functionally an improvement. But I still think it is like such a overly complicated no I, totally i do not i just I, i've come to the i've come to i've actually come to really start embracing the ps4 and what i am embracing about it what i see is that the ps4 because i have both is actually better it seems better for indies it seems better for weird stuff like it mm-hmm. actually seems like it has a somehow weirdly it has a closer connection to like it seems to have a closer connection to the world of steam than, yeah. and I don't know, maybe there's a reason, maybe you can tell me and I've just missed it somehow, but it feels like it has a closer connection to that world than, um, the Xbox one has. And I thought at the beginning that the, the actual, that Microsoft was actually going to find a way to open up this like platform to Indies in a major way. I thought that like early on, they were well, going they, to be the place they, for they Indies. They announced dev kit. Every Xbox one's a dev kit. Yeah. Like that's still not a reality. And right. I think Microsoft from for Xbox One to to have been successful. And I I don't think it's fair to say that like the race is over, but I, I think the writing is certainly on the wall. Um But they're gonna keep they're gonna make another one. Yeah. But like what is that gonna look like? I think I, at a certain point when Nintendo took a licking, the other one that they made was the Wii. And like I I would not be mistaken. Um, there's some stuff, if, and if you're releasing this today, I think it's under embargo until tomorrow. Uh, some stuff that Phil Spencer said at the <laughs> Xbox event in San Francisco last week yeah, that like, this is kind, kind, of, kind of hints to this. You can check it out. You can read about it on polygon.com. Check out Polygon that. later. No, tomorrow. Um, so the, uh, the thing about Xbox is like, I, I think they are struggling to define what Xbox is. is. Is it a console? Is it hardware? Or is it a platform? So uh, you see the Xbox logo on the Windows App Store for, yeah. but the, for whole, these. the whole consumer, but this whole consumer side of Microsoft is totally fucked up right now. I mean, I think it's all part of this. It's like the merging it closer to Windows and all that stuff. It's like but, actually a problem. Like, but I think it's smart. I think it's smart to think about, you know, um, the, the CEO just said like that that windows universal apps would start supporting xbox soon like that's where we need to be we need to be at a point where the xbox is another platform for windows right and um which it should be because because it's running because because everything that is a that is a steam experience unless you're on a mac i mean like the real steam experience is on a pc on a windows machine Mm -hmm. like and which is insane so all of those games are built for a a microsoft device yep essentially I think Microsoft is like increasingly thinking like that that is also a success. If you're going to go ahead and just play all your games on Windows and not right, buy an Xbox, right. like that's okay. Well, no, I mean it's it is actually huge. I mean, there's no way that Steam machines are going to be the Linux-based Steam machines are never going to break through in any significant way. I think that's right. Because the audience isn't there and the support isn't there. I mean, the even down to like there. the hardware support. No, that's what I'm saying. The games and yep. as a result, the games aren't going to be there. Because why would you spend all this time for one percent of the audience? Like you're I think not with some engines, like it becomes free, right? With Unity games, like it becomes pretty easy to to yeah. But you're, for, but then you're like in a you're essentially on a platform. Yeah, you're like on you the can, Unity platform, which is nice. But the Unity platform works everywhere. 
Yeah, I think I think, but yeah, it also means that you can release everywhere. You can release a Linux and a Mac and a Windows build of your game all at once, and sort of like support them and maintain them all at once. Right. Um, the, but sure, yeah, that's I think nice. Like, but you're you're limited by what Unity can do. Still, your big games aren't gonna aren't gonna be. Right. I mean, you're not gonna do Far Cry in Unity. Um, no, but they might. Port, like you're seeing some games get ported. Street Fighter Five is gonna be out on Steam Steam OS and stuff. But like, I don't know, like, I don't think it's gonna be a huge hit. I don't think it's ever gonna have the penetration. I think it's a starter place but if you actually want to get the full support of steam you have to get windows i think for microsoft that increasingly is still a win but it also means like why even have an xbox one right if, if like you're just gonna have windows or why not just make that a windows machine so i think like the idea of every dev kit uh, every xbox one's a dev kit that's something that microsoft is uniquely able to do that sony is not right and i think that directly starts to plug it into the sort of huge success of steam being this place to get weird games um and Sony, why is Sony closer to that? I don't think it's because the platform is uniquely better. I don't think it's because they are more open. They're not. It's because Sony spent more time earlier on recruiting those developers and treating them like humans and um, treating them fairly. And Microsoft very much moved away from it. On Xbox 360, it was part of their strategy. Um, and I think they they their new strategy for Xbox One was going to be not weird niche core indie game it was your mom using the xbox one because right. the cable machines plugged into it and like right. that was a huge pivot for them and they focused on that it didn't, didn't to the work. detriment it didn't seem to work but also to the detriment of the other it's the whole i so, mean the whole thing is messy i mean i'll say that yeah. the whole they thing came back messy. around to it they have a program now called um id independent development at xbox um id at xbox and uh and they're trying to, and they are getting some of these you know the, the the successor to gone home called tacoma is going to come out on on PC and Ooh. Windows, Ooh. or and, uh, and Xbox. Xbox, yeah. So like they are getting some of those games. They are trying, but if there's a perception that Sony's doing a better job, I think that's true in large right. part because Sony has been doing it for this generation longer. It, it's weird because at the beginning I thought um, I didn't I didn't know it was actually I felt like it could have gone in either direction at the, with this cycle this um, generation. And at the beginning, I actually thought uh, early on, I thought Microsoft had an edge in some places because if all the stuff they had proposed had worked right or yep. actually they'd, they'd seen to it had gone come to fruition, like the developer stuff, that to me actually was a place where I thought they were going to become very, very good at like bringing indies in and letting them have a great platform with all of the power and all of the, the marketing like strength of a Microsoft around it. I still thought, I mean, you know, at launch, I, I think the way I would have referred to both of them at launch is that PlayStation 4 was a better PlayStation 3. Better yeah, every way. Right. Better controller, better hardware, better power, better better everything. Right. The Xbox One uh, was trying to do something new, which was exciting. Right. Um, they had new ideas. They had new things. There were some, like, some cool things that they did. For example, when you put down the controller... Um, the connect notice that the controllers put down and it put it into a low power state. Right. Right. It's like so, this stupid little thing to save battery life. It, but it was really clever. It was really smart. How many gameplay features could we figure out on how to do the same thing based on where you're moving the controller or what you're doing? Um, it could read your heartbeat. Like that's wild. Right. Like how cool is that? But they didn't end up doing, not only did they not end up doing anything with this, they had this cool hardware and they had no software well, that's to use the thing. it. And also it was like... The, but then the, they got rid of the hardware. And, the, and, the, and the, the difficulty of it to set up and to use, it's just like it really was, I'm not saying it was ahead of I its time. I think at the end of the day, it wasn't even that. I think at the end of the day, Sony came out with a system 
that was a hundred and, and Microsoft had a lot of PR missteps in the lead up. Yeah. They didn't have any software that proved the necessity of the connect. Right. They told you you needed it, but they actually couldn't prove it. Right. There was no killer app. There was no killer app and it was a hundred dollars more. So right. at the end of the day, right. we have to get a hundred dollars off the system. We have to. And, uh, and we still don't know what to use the connect for. We think it's cool. They sold a bunch of connects but, actually. Um, well, they, the whole first, whatever. Right. Oh, that's right. I mean, months, I mean, there were a was, lot of, I mean, I'm saying they, they, so, there were a lot of connects in places, homes. in yes. homes. I mean, I have one in a box somewhere. When's the last time you heard Microsoft announce a connect feature? On no, but there should have been like, here's this one, here's the, here's, gonna be the, here's this one amazing family experience that like you've got to have. And then here's this one amazing hardcore gaming experience that will like change, exciting. change the way you think of, of gaming. It was exciting because for 360, Connect was optional, so developers didn't want to support it. But for right. one, if it was mandatory, now developers can support it because they have an expectation that it's always going to be at the right, home. Right, right. But now, obviously, that expectation now is gone. Right. Microsoft itself doesn't even like to talk about Connect. I, feel, I almost feel like if you ask them about to Connect, they're like, what? what? What are you talking about? That's, it's interesting. Don't do that. It's interesting we get into this conversation uh, by talking about Kanye West and the TurboGrafx-16. So your mm-hmm. point is that because I supported the Xbox One early on, I'm a person who um, chooses... Failing, failing platforms. platforms. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> it's true, though. I think it's true. I think um, there's something broken in me. <laughs> there's something about me. Maybe maybe you are more like the Game Gear. I like the underdog. No, the Game Gear. Fuck I the mean, Game Gear. I mean, gear. specifically my Game Oh, yours gear, because it's broken. broken right no. here. I mean, I, I there is something of... Um, I don't know. I just think like, but you also get weirdness. You know, there's also like a level of weird. TurboGrafx is a weird system. Yep. And by the way, PC Engine was the most popular system in Japan for a very long time. This is something that is not, I think, well, well known that the PC Engine was a very popular system in Japan. Correct. Correct me if I'm wrong. That's correct. I don't know if it was the most popular. All right, let's just take a look. Was, let's just say, let's go to Wikipedia. Let's find out. All right. Let's not even. Uh, okay. Hold on. Let me edit the Wikipedia page. For okay. The engine. Let's, um, just type that in there. let's see. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Originally uh-huh. intended to compete. Yes. Uh huh. No. Okay. History. It was an NES competitor, right? Started. Um, I don't know. Oh, Siri just thought I was trying to ask her something. How unusual on my phone. Mm. Um, I'm looking for sales. Sales in Japan, popularity, reception. In Japan, the PC Engine was very successful and at one point was the top-selling console in the nation. Let me see there if this go. is citing. Um, Let's see, this is something from, from 1995 in Electronic Gaming Monthly. What in the name of Sam Hill is a PC Engine? <laughs> at any rate. Um, so it was very popular. Um, yeah, it never quite made the jump over here and they had partnerships and then they sold it yeah. to another company yeah. and like it just, yeah. it, there was all sorts of messy trouble there. But the point is that Kanye and I both loved it mm-hmm. and that's all that I really matters. A, um, I had a friend in grade school, Paul Burani. Paul, if you're listening, uh, what's up? Um, <laughs> and, uh, he had a TG 16 and I went to his house and we played Splatterhouse and I felt like such a big boy. Oh my God. Splatterhouse was amazing. You know, it's funny though. I mean, I, I'm looking at, they have pictures on the, on the PC engine, uh, page, the TurboGrafx 16 page of, um all these adapters you needed. Like when mm-hmm. I remember I bought a turbo duo and then you needed an adapter to play Japanese games, but you also needed, um, like what two, called hue cards. Well, there right? was a, there were these things, these hue cards that were like these yeah. thin little cards, but they had a super CD ROM that you needed to like yes. give, to give the CD like new brains and stuff. And it had like this kind of raised section cause it had some extra like chips in it or whatever. And so you would need like the Japanese like converter, because they physically made the cards different, I think. And then you would also need, or maybe it just had some like 
you maybe just broke whatever weird little encryption they had. And then you would need this like card, the special card just to run like Dracula X. You couldn't just like drop it into a turbo duo. I love that shit. So, so you have, you still have your turbo graphics? I have it in, uh, it's in my, it's at my parents' house. It's in a box at my parents' house. And I've, I actually think it's one point I was going to, I think I took it out to, to play it. And like, I couldn't get, something was broken. The power was broken or something. And I was like, okay, I'm putting it back in the box. I still have all the games that I had. I actually bought a handful of turbo graphics games like a couple of years ago. For some reason, I don't really remember. I was like, maybe going to get a new one. Josh, you got to get this. You got to get, you got to get your retro your know, retro station set what's, what's it called? You gotta get a Frame Meister XRGB Mini. What's it called? A Frame Meister XRGB Mini. I'm sorry, can you say that slower? Frame Meister? Is that what it's called? Yeah, it's a, it's a Frame Meister. Um, <laughs> the good news is, is you just order one cable on eBay and that, that Turbo Graphics is ready to output okay, RGB. I'll do it. And my Neo yeah. Geo. And your Neo Geo. So we had the same RGB conversation too. at the end of the last um, podcast that you did with me. Yeah, everyone else is thinking that they're listening to a repeat, but you're not. They're not. This is brand new. Anyhow, we actually have to wrap up because uh, it's a half an hour past when we said we would we would go. Yeah, some of this was was is going to be edited out because mm, I very um, little. Just the three ordering. minutes. Just the three minutes where you're ordering the Vive. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. And now this now people will know that I've edited it. Um, anyhow, Chris, this is always a lot of fun, and I really appreciate you doing this. And you have to come back. We have to do this in person. How about this? Once once VR is out, we can do it from our homes, but in VR, in VR and let's it'll do it. feel like. Let's do the, the first. Way. I mean, maybe we'll be the we could be the first VR pioneers. podcast. That's like not a bad idea. I mean, from an audience standpoint, they won't know the difference. But <laughs> for us, it'll be very it'll romantic. Be amazing. Very romantic. <laughs> well, let's see. I mean, I'll have to get a vibe, right? Because you know, I don't. How annoying would that be if you were listening to podcasts and the whole time it was just people going, "Whoa, oh, dude." Oh wow! Your hand—you almost touched me. <laughs> You'd just be listening to that the whole time for an hour. Uh, I think it would be entertaining. Of course, we could do a capture, a motion capture. Oh, you know, what mm-hmm. we could do—we could capture the whole scene, and then that we could share that as like a as a an app. Yeah, you can like live inside of that podcast. I call uh, I call Pierce Brosnan. Two Dibs. two guys, two guys at a table. You can be Jeff Fahey. <laughs> okay, I accept that. Mm. Uh, I do actually just listen to a small part of, uh, of music to get the gist, and then I move on. Mm. Just like the lawnmower man. Yep. Okay, I think that's where we got to wrap there. Chris, thanks again, uh, and, uh, and uh, do come back. Thanks, Josh. Well, that is our show for this week. We'll be back next week with more tomorrow. And as always, I wish you and your family the very best. But I understand that the connect has been switched on, and it's watching you and waiting. And I don't like what the Connect is thinking about doing. <laughs> <laughs>